Tabula Rasa, bitches. Hello, hello. Hello. My name is Allie. And my name is Nick. <laughs> and welcome to episode two of Tabula Rasa, bitches. We're so glad you are here. In Tabula Rasa, bitches, you'll listen as two decades-long friends jump back into the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and relive the show that brought them close together and taught them so many of the values they still cherish today. And side note for our friends, we will be discussing this episode, spoilers and all. If you haven't watched yet and you don't want to hear spoilers, hit the pause button, go do your watching, come back. We're going to be anxiously awaiting your return. Yes. Each episode of Tabula Rasa, bitches, will dive into an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and discuss the lessons that can be learned from our favorite Sunnydale warriors and the supernatural creatures they use their talents and friendship to overcome. Today we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 2, The Harvest. And what an episode it is, Allie. <laughs> let's dive into our episode summary here. Yeah, so. This episode picks up right where the last one left off. So in the cemetery, Buffy beats back Luke and saves Xander and Willow from vampires. But Jesse, who was with Xander and Willow, is gone. And we learn that Jesse has been taken to the Master as an offering. Hearing that they encountered a Slayer, the Master decides to instead use Jesse as a bait to lure Buffy back. Buffy goes back to find Jesse and finds Angel, who again warns about the harvest, Against Buffy's instructions, Xander has followed, and they find out Jesse has been turned into a vampire. Buffy and Xander make their escape. The gang learns that that evening is the harvest, when Luke will funnel energy he gains from killing people to help the master escape from his prison. They correctly guess that the vampires will hit up the bronze as the site for the harvest. Xander saves Cordelia from Jesse and kills him, and Buffy dispatches Luke. At school the next day, Everyone seems to have forgotten or rationalized what went on the night before. The Scoobies are officially established and ready to take on whatever evil comes next. Man, oh man, there's a lot there, Allie. Where should we start? Well, I have like an overarching idea about this episode when I was thinking about going into this one. What's really cool about this one, which it makes sense, it's the second episode of a series, but this is where really it all starts. Lots of firsts. You know, we get willow researching we get the scooby gang saddling up for the first time we see buffy skipping school and like kind of like getting in trouble and stuff um you know more quips and awesome we see a bunch of like her acrobatics and stuff so just like another it's a very cool establishing episode a good foothold into what's to come i think for sure we do notice a lot of stuff for the first time um one of the notes that i have right here at the beginning is um i think that's astute of you Allie. to it really is the first time so many first things happen which is really cool um i wrote down um the so we talked about how buffy very reluctantly is taking on this layer stuff she's still not jazzed about it she wants to be done with it but when she saw that Jesse had been taken, she was so concerned for her friend. She was really scared. And that was yeah. a powerful visual for me. Oh, I did have a thought um, kind of harking back to our first episode where we talked about how reluctant she is. She's, you know, very much in denial, even though she packed a steak to go to school. Um, 
very in denial of her calling, her destiny, whatever you want to uh, call it. But what I remembered as I was watching this episode is if we're referring to the movie as canon, which I do think certain things are true. Obviously, her her watcher died. Whether we just get that from the fact that like she was able to move and he didn't move with her mm. or just, you know, watching the original movie, her watcher died. That's huge. Mm. That's huge. So that can be a... I can understand that being a huge factor in her reluctance to continue. Like, I watched this father figure die. Mm -hmm. You think I'm just going to... It's Well, and it's kind of like when a new parent comes in and like, oh, I'm just supposed to like accept you as like this new crucial role. Oh, you're just going to step in as my new watcher? You think you can just do that? Mm -hmm. So I can see how she she's not jazzed to have this new guy in her life when so much of this awful history has already happened in her like what one year she was a freshman i think when she was called mm -hmm. and she's only a sophomore now so it's only been she was only a slayer for a year i have a note related to that that will okay. come up later but yeah a note related to this immense amount of death that these teenagers are experiencing very up close and personally very early on but i yeah. wonder if you wrote the same thing Interesting. Okay. So the first note that I have is Angel's Cross already saving Buffy. Mm. Um, we end up seeing that cross come up quite a lot. And like we mentioned in the first episode, not quite sure how long it sticks around. It's at least the first three seasons while while he's in her life. Um, so yeah, warding off Luke, it's what keeps her from not dying as the cliffhanger left us. Um, and then as that fight kind of continues and she's able to get away, I have the note, so glad SMG's fighting got better. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's rough. I almost wrote down the, the evolution of Buffy's grunts and hi-yahs, whatever oh, yeah. sound uh -huh. throughout yeah, they do get a lot better, don't they? They do. Which I guess, okay, we did we did just mention she's only been doing this for a year. So, you know, maybe her form isn't the best. Maybe we can give that to her. I know part of it was Sarah Michelle Geller's, you know, uh, newness to fight choreography and stuff. But, oof. I mean, even just like the way she holds her hands, you can just tell you're like, mm, yeah. I don't think you're going to throw that much. Like, <laughs> if you do, that's going to hurt. And I know like because just, I'm a black belt. No, I'm not. Right. I'm not, like, I'm just yeah, but like we know to like not break your wrist and hold hold your thumb a certain way so that you're not like breaking your fingers and stuff. But a lot goes into form and technique. And I guess we can we can give that one to her. Like, well, maybe it's Buffy who's new and not. Sarah Michelle Kelly. And Allie, I know that you are getting more familiar with fight choreography. Why is that? Do the plug now. Do the plug. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, for your consideration, Allie Press as Felicia Hardy, the black cat for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or whoever owns that property, because it might be Sony, but Sony Pictures, I'm talking to you too. Maybe you still continue your flirting relationship with Marvel. Uh, Tom Holland, he's eventually going to need to move on from Zendaya, or maybe Spider-Man. Peter Parker's going to have to move away from MJ because they're so cute. I don't, I'm not interested in breaking them up. I'm not a homewrecker. Um, 
but you know, looking for more content for Disney Plus, you're bringing a lot of female characters to Disney Plus with She Hulk and Miss Marvel and the new Hawkeye. Oh, what's one more? Come on. No one's going to stop demanding female leads. Yeah, just take the plunge here. And we have the perfect female lead right here on this podcast, guys. Right, like you have so many decisions to make in your lives. Let me just make this one for you. So yes, I am hoping to do more. There's a lot of fight choreography certifications you can get, weapons and stunt school and stuff. Oh my God, so many different things. I wanted it all. Anyway, I am indeed a uh, superhero in training. And uh, just a superhero in my life. Aw, you're so sweet. Uh, oh, Buffy's resourcefulness. So she gets out of the out of the mausoleum, and she has to fight the vamps off of um, Xander and Willow, and she breaks the tree branch. I'm like, that's dope. Because, oh, this is another thing that's like, she has to be resourceful because right now she's leaving her stakes in the vamps. You'll see later mm-hmm. on she stakes and then removes so that she doesn't lose her stake. Because, um, yeah, how much fucking time must that be sitting at home? How is Joyce not like, what's all these, what just are all these guys doing whittling down, here? yeah. Right, like, Buffy's just got this great little hobby of whittling. I don't know what... <laughs> I don't know. I remember the first time, Allie, you made me aware of the difference, the evolution that happens in the seasons of the leaving the stakes in that then become dust going to what we'll see later, which is when she just stabs and doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, super, super fan for years you are. Yuppers. Um, I... And they were dusting and you'll see once or twice in these first couple episodes that there's a vamp that doesn't dust immediately. Um, that definitely changes. Um, I feel I I want to say I heard in a commentary thing that it was just a practicality thing mm-hmm. of just like it was so hard always and then you're like you're in the middle of a fight and what there's all these just bodies and tripping hazards and stuff like no they they dust and stuff oh but I had a note about that of like it actually does make sense for vampires to dust kind of like if you justify like magic and stuff so if you when you kill them it like kills the demon and stuff and what that's what's like keeping them young forever so all of that. I don't know, some some of them live for like hundreds and hundreds of years. So all of that age is coming back and you're just dust. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've never thought about like, it like that before. Well, because there's been other things that I've seen, like I think Stardust, when they've been keeping themselves young with their magic and stuff, and then whatever that magic is was like taken away, you see it's not as immediate as the dustings of vampires in this, but you see very quickly she ages, 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 and then it's just like... And what's left? You just become dust. Yeah. Just dust. I feel that. All we are is dust in the wind. I love this quote that happens in the next scene from Giles. He's kind of giving his uh, vampires, demons 101 to Xander and Willow. And he's talking about the start of the earth where he shares that there used to be demons or whatever. I think I might be butchering it a little bit. But the quote that he says, uh, he's referencing old earth. And he says, contrary to popular mythology, it did not start as a paradise. And I feel like that was the creators giving a little dunk really early on on religion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I actually had that same quote in my notes because there's a lot of things that I think domino when you find out that certain things are real. Mm. Um, One of the big beefs I had with Twilight with stupid Bella was that like, once you find out that vampires are real and you've heard myths of werewolves, wouldn't you immediately go a plus B equals C 
and say like, oh, well, then that's obviously real, too. So if holy water and crosses work to deter demons, then like, does that mean God is real? Like, should we be all attending Sunday mass and stuff? Don't make me. Please don't make me. No, (laughs) no. Well, but that's the thing is that like this in a very quick way, if you're not studying it like we are, kind of already says like, well, not everything's right. Mm -hmm. So then you can see where it's like, okay, some things are true. Like, yes, demons exist, but like, it's not all true. There's another note in this scene too, that I feel like does that same kind of thing where it's setting some boundaries on this world that we're just getting introduced to when Buffy says, um, the the quote is, as soon as the vampires cleared the graveyard, they could have just, boom. And Xander goes, they can fly. They can fly. <laughs> they can they drive. Can drive. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and I love that look on his face. of like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. No, but I like that too. Because as soon as, like you say, as soon as you bring in holy water and crosses, what else are you bringing in too? And it's just a way right. to kind of ground everything. Yeah, and a lot of that that other vampire mythos will come up much, much later. So yeah, interesting contradiction of the Christian mythology. Um, I want Xander's mushroom shirt. <laughs> I just <laughs> I made a oh! few fashion notes. I didn't I didn't detect his mushroom shirt. I'll have to watch again. It's bright green. It's in that same scene we've been talking about. Um and what's interesting is when you say that, like, she's so sassy, sassy about not believing in vampires, because she's just give a little sass of like what her first reaction was. And it's like, OK, now that I know more about rabies and actually what it does to a human when it gets really bad, if it goes untreated, that actually is a very valid explanation. You can legit lose your mind and you're foaming at the mouth and your face is all scrunched up and you're just angry and deranged and you're like hallucinating and stuff. Sure. If, I, if it was dark and... You know, I was in like trauma and, you know, I was in shock and stuff like I could buy that. I could buy rabies. That's funny. I just had that same experience today, but it was after I got a particular email from work and I don't think that it was rabies related, but that's good to know that it can look a lot like. Oh, it's, it's bad. There was an episode of Criminal Minds where someone's like giving people rabies. It's bad. Very it's rude. a it's a horrible disease, and it's actually still to this date one of the oldest diseases and one of the deadliest. Because if you are not treated in the first like twenty four hours or thirty six hours or something like that after exposure, the only conclusion is death. <gasps> Outside of that window, they can make you comfortable. That's I, it. I just googled rabies, and I feel like that's a mistake. I feel like I shouldn't Google image rabies. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna click away. I mean, if you're up to your shot, up up to date on your shots, and your dogs are up to date on your shots, and then you're fine. If you don't like go crash a dog fighting ring or something like that, you should be fine. Well, not today. We'll see what tomorrow don't, brings. Don't take any uh, in any wild animals. And <laughs> oh, t- speaking of some sass, uh, I love. Giles is about to launch into the into each generation of Slayers born she alone and Buffy goes oh he loves it like, <laughs> all right the Slayer hunts vampires Buffy's a Slayer don't tell anyone oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's so good uh yeah the Buffy sass is good she her quips are just uh, mm, I want to be I clever like she is right uh, I um 
I had a question. I, I, this just comes apart. It's not a question. This just comes apart where I have to suspend my disbelief a little bit. But mm-hmm. when Xander says, oh, there's an electrical tunnel running underneath <laughs> I, the city. I had that same thought of like, who would know that? Who's, yeah, you have a remarkable grasp on the infrastructure in your town, Xander. I mean, maybe if we lived in that small of a town, there's things you just know. Like maybe there's people who go hang out in the tunnels. I I don't know. Maybe. I, okay. Again, that is one of the justifications I can give of like, there's a lot I don't know about small town life. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? I'm not I'm not mad about it. I just But I definitely had that myself. moment of like, why does Xander know that there are electrical tunnels? Right. Why why in the world would he know that? Uh this next scene, I feel like I need to pour one out for the incredible set that is the Master's Lair. So mm. creepy. I think just Mm -hmm. so well done and it is uh, the master is scary he's scary oh yeah oh i had that as a note of like just how much blood does one have to suck to have permanently stained their mouth (laughs) that is so much (laughs) yeah that's a that's a lot of fucking blood that's a lot of blood or his lips are very trapped I feel like it's supposed to be the blood. You think it's the blood? I think it. I, I think, think you're probably right. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be the blood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. I think that's what. The, I think that's the conclusion we are meant to draw. <laughs> I'm like, do you want some Vaseline or something? Okay. Some Carmex. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is there not a pocket in that tunic you have? I'll even give you. I'll splurge for Burt's Bees for you, there, buddy. <laughs> So another time where I feel like I had to, I, I suspended my disbelief, which I'm fine because it's for Willow and I would die for Willow. But yes. when she says, and I think this was a very 90s trope, 90s thing to do when Willow goes, oh yeah, I accidentally decrypted the city council. So what does that mean? I think I think now we know enough about tech and stuff to be like, that. you just lumped some words there. That doesn't actually... I don't know. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. I'm not mad about it. I just, again, Well, and it's myself. also one of those things that's like, if you dive too far into like, well, what was her goal that led to her decrypting <laughs> the city council security system? Like, what did she want to see in the city council? Like, is she some social justice warrior and she wanted to like see what they were voting on? Like, that's not a side of Willow we see. So what was your goal? How did you end up stumbling there? Yeah, or Willow, did you just... there's some more to unpack there. Right, because she's not a bad girl. Mm-mm. So certainly at this phase of her life, she wouldn't have been like, let me just see if I can hack this. Or like the same way that like some klepto would be like, let me just see if I can steal this for fun. Like, I don't know why. I just, yeah. That's why we don't dissect things. Yeah, good but, point. Um. Oh, I, yeah, that, that Xander quote. Yeah, give the context for this quote, Allie. As a man, I'm not going to. Oh, oh, yeah. So Buffy says that he can't come along with her because he wants to. And he's like, that's fine. I'm inadequate. That's fine. I'm less than a man. And it's like, well, you don't have super strength. So I don't know. Suck it up. Yeah, Xander, this is about you right now. Take your toxic masculinity out of here, dude. I don't have time for it. (laughs) I know. He lets it. He he does pretty much let it go. But uh, I also like... If you think about the things that you were sensitive about as a high schooler, if he's still whining about that into his 30s, different issue. But I can see at 16 when this girl who's like a foot shorter than you, you know. Oh, and to be clear, I am still a little bitch. 
about it get my feelings all Just up in about tizzy everything. about stupid things oh yeah yeah of course maybe that's course. why i maybe that's why i picked up on it so quickly is because i yeah i saw nick well, you're a little bitch he's being a little bitch tell him to stop and it's bit. and it's easier to notice that stuff in others i think we are particularly attuned to things like toxic masculinity and these kinds of things like i definitely notice a lot more i'm gonna have to spend a lot of disbelief with uh with everything with angel because just like his like crypticness Ooh. and lack of communication. And I'm just like, why don't you just like come out and show it? But at least she <laughs> recognized it. She's like, you show up here with your cryptic wise man act. Can I at least you don't know your name? So I love that she is, she's not letting him off the hook. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. I think that's important. Yeah, I do. I do like that. Yes, Buffy. Call him out. Because he is being cryptic and weird. Why? Well, and I think... Some, we learn more about this character that he's kind of been in love with Buffy for a long time. And so I do think, because I have this note of his contradiction of you when he's like, you don't want to go down there. But then he also is warning her about the harvest, presumably so that she can stop it. It's not like he's telling her to leave town and escape the harvest. So that's kind of confusing. So I'm like, is it is he testing her? But it could also just be his feelings of, yeah, I think you're, you know, you're the slayer. You should stop the harvest. It's bad. It'd be a bad thing if the harvest should happen. But also like, wait, oh no, don't, that's danger. I don't want you mm. to get hurt. Don't go there. Probably so, a little complicated. Yeah, because humans are complicated. You know, double think happens all the time. Yeah, I want you to be like your big bad self, but also like, let me protect you. I feel that. That makes sense to me. Angel is so hot. Yeah. This note really that I is. this note that I wrote for myself is great. I want to yeah. read it to our amazing yeah, viewers. Please read it. I wrote, Angel is so hot and kind of a dick and so hot. <laughs> and then I wrote, I feel like I don't understand why it's not being at all helpful, but we just talked about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah dude is so sexy. Oh my god. Yeah, and there that definitely is like a lot of I guess goes back to his infatuation with Buffy. Maybe it's a little Edward Cullen-ish of I have to be standoffish. Otherwise, I will be so in love with her and I'll never leave her side. But like also we have no future, so I shouldn't get involved. But I don't want to see her get hurt. And it's just like this ring of complicatedness. I'm so excited to fully process their confusing relationship with you, Allie. That is sweet at the core of it, but is also deeply problematic, especially when we look back now. Like age difference and stuff. But you know Uh, what? It's not unique to Buffy. That is a vampire thing, trope thing. mm -hmm. And you just have to set that aside if you're going to enjoy any kind of vampire romance. Well, even if he were, even if he were a human it would still be gross because she's a sophomore in high school yeah but okay and he's like 26 yeah she talks about him as if he's a community college student yeah um, yeah yeah i but... find myself needing to needing to if if i adjust their ages across the board in my head then it's fine yes but i also know myself i was crushing on older guys I wouldn't have put up a fight if some hot community college guy was showing me attention. And again, that's not on the younger person, but still like, quote unquote, like not right. It's definitely one of those things of like, okay, well, come see me back in five years and then that's okay. Yeah. Also, you know, in high school age gaps, like one year is so long for a high schooler. Yeah. 
you know, that freshman year to senior year seems like an insurmountable gap. And then you're all graduated from college and stuff. And four years seems like nothing. You're practically the same age. But anyway, uh, moving on, getting back on topic, steering back towards topic. (laughs) (laughs) But still on Angel, I have a quote written down, awkward, that wasn't to be supposed to be a stumper. She's like, I have a friend down there, maybe a friend. Do you know what it's like to have a friend? And he just kind of stares at her. Savage. That wasn't supposed to be a stutter. Oh. So I remember I have a I have a recent this is another one of those lines that I've bastardized and adopted for my own use. I remember during the presidential debates. Are we allowed to get political? Can we get we can get political, sure. right? Yeah, it's hard. Sure. During it's the presidential debates. Say whatever we want. When um I think the question to Trump was like Will you condemn white supremacy or something? And he just straight up didn't. Multiple times he didn't. I remember I was talking to my dad afterwards. And my dad, anytime my dad and I are on the same page politically, something has gone way off the rails. Either the other side is so nuts that it's driven. I don't know, whatever. But I remember saying to my dad, dad, that question isn't supposed to be a stumper. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's supposed to be a gimme. Yeah. Of like, even if you're lying, lie better. Right. Lie for <laughs> lie for longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was yeah, yeah. By any any way you think about it, that question is supposed to be a pretty easy one. It's not supposed no, to be a stumper. Should have been a softball. Uh, no, and it's funny you talking about like not getting political when I'm wearing my the future is female. I just saw that. Uh, I'm crew obsessed. Neck. And under it, you can't see it because it's cold, fucking cold in my house. Um, I'm wearing the shirt you got me that says Slut for Justice. <gasps> so. We are all sluts for justice here at Tabula Rasa, bitches. Did you see I'm wearing my Buffy cross? I did saw. I did see your uh, Buffy cross, too. Look in. Uh, yeah, so always. I'm looking. My outfit is, um, what What do the kids say? Snatched? <laughs> <laughs> as big a joke all right Uh, we have our our episode clip our little teaser clip yeah there we go so you want to talk talk about the master he's such a good yeah uh, he is such he's just a brilliant bad guy when he Mm -hmm. says um he's mocking the one vampire who uh failed him in some way i forget how he fit but he says he says apologize to me and he apologized he says there that's not so bad was it and then he stabs him in the eye (laughs) so good wait you've got something in your eye yeah i love i love that and that's kind of a um i think a i don't want to say trope archetype in literature and stuff the sort of genteel villain and I love that. Mm. I always that that's like they're sinister, but they're like charming, so it throws you off balance. But that just but their charm makes them even more evil and scary. Yeah, and I love that. The I, air I love of properness like makes them even more dangerous. Um, exactly. While I was uh, googling stuff for this episode, I found a note that apparently he who must not be named because he's a giant dick bag creator writer whatever joss whedon Mm -hmm. i'll only say his name once this episode um he felt bad for all of the lines the master had where he had s's in it because the prosthetics of the face or whatever made it really hard i just thought Mm. it was a neat little tidbit i do i love those tidbits those are always so interesting to me 
So uh, my next note is uh, it's the next scene. And this is what we started to talk about earlier. They just found out their friend is for sure dead. Not only dead, but came back as a vampire, which is the worst thing, whatever. And they're not, maybe they are traumatized, but they just have to keep moving. But I'm just thinking to myself, what happens to me in an average day if I run out of coffee creamer? (laughs) (laughs) And then compare that to if my friend just died. Okay, but I see it as they're in shock. Mm. So I don't think they know how to process that he's like gone because physically he's still there. He still has has his face. He still has his memories. Um, and that comes back later when they're saddling up to head into the bronze when he's like, and Jesse's in there. And Giles has to go, that is not Jesse. Your friend is dead. Mm-hmm. When you go in there, that is not your friend. That is the monster that killed him wearing his face or something like that. Giles says it better than I do when I'm paraphrasing. But I do think that's understandable. And I do think there is a certain amount of where you you have to have some levity or like there's certain playwrights that have this. The characters feel strongly, but they don't feel deeply like if you think of it like wide versus vertical or something like that because think about it like us knowing and again because of our sensibilities in terms of political and social and stuff like that we know about trauma we know what trauma does to people we know the horrors of ptsd and those kinds of things is that the show you want to watch where they're all acting like realistically no that sounds not entertaining at all not in the first season yeah I don't I don't think I want to see them actually traumatized. That would, that would be kind of awful. I mean yeah, later we sad. see that once we <laughs> once we've sat with these characters for a while and, and then we get into deeper storylines and that kind of thing, but and that kind of plays into that whole you can't unknow things, so why she could never actually stop being the slayer because it's like, well, I'm already traumatized. I know these things. I can't just go la la la, this doesn't happen. You know, you'd have to wipe her memory or some kind of thing. They feel strongly, not deeply. I really like that. Yeah, um, that's what I had a professor tell me that about uh, Oscar Wilde characters. Mm. Like they get upset about things, but it doesn't it doesn't go that deep. Everything's surface level. Neato. Well, excited to explore more. <laughs> I like Giles's cardigan. Cute. Oh yeah, uh, Giles is not only wearing a great cardigan. I'm wearing a cardigan right now. Listener friends who can't. God, I love cardigans. Giles also has a very sensible pinky ring. Cardigans are delightful. Appreciate. So I see in your notes you're jumping towards her sneaking out to saddle up to go fight the harvest, Uh, but you're skipping over the amazing scene in the computer lab where we meet Harmony for the first time. She's not even introduced with her name, but um, Willow is researching earthquakes and shit. And Cordelia is working on a programming thing and she starts talking about Buffy and like the stuff before and Willow's like, she's not a psycho. And possibly my favorite line of this episode, excuse me, who gave you permission to exist? (laughs) Cordelia Chase. You you are such a bitch. I love you. I love her. I do. I love her. Um, and then I do love Willow's little slight back when 
Cordelia's like, okay, and then we end run or we where do we submit? And then Willow goes, deliver. And so she finds the DEL key and she deletes her whole program. <laughs> so good. And I love that Willow probably, I, I don't know, but I can't imagine if they had been shit talking Willow in front of her. She did that. Willow sabotaged Cordelia and her stupid project because they were talking shit about Willow's friend. I agree. I agree. Yeah, she doesn't stand up for herself, but like you came at my friend, who, by the way, is trying to save um the world. So right, right, yeah. Take several seats, Miss Chase, but also keep it up with your iconic lines. Yes, exactly. Like leave, but like don't leave. <laughs> Just like stay forever. She over the course, and maybe once we're through all seven seasons, maybe we'll continue with a side angel thing because just Cordelia Chase's journey is fucking amazing. Oh, it's um, so good. Shout out to Charisma Carpenter. You're a goddess. I love you. Uh, you're more beautiful every day. You're more beautiful than Cinderella. You have a face like sunshine. You're spelling pine needles. Um, Absolutely. Maybe Charisma uh, Carpenter exactly. will join us for an episode. Let's manifest it. I love you. And then she can bring her bestie, Julie Benz, because apparently they're super close. We have a whole plan now. That's great. I have, I have all the plans. Are you kidding me? Great. Oh, random thing. I just love when title sequence stuff pops up in the episode yeah we see one of them oh we see a bunch of them there's the hand shooting there's them walking out of the library there's the moon rising there's a lot of good ones in this um in this one there's the uh shutting the door on the the big metal door Mm -hmm. when they're trying to escape from dressing yeah the hand grabbing i love that um a great quote when (laughs) they encounter jesse I can hear the worms in the earth. Xander's, that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> that's a plus. Xander, you're so awkward. I love you. I don't know what you're supposed to say to that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this next scene between Buffy and her mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, poor Joyce. I have a big note. I have a big asterisk on that of like, poor Joyce. Because what, what would Buffy even say to her? Like, other than straight, other than telling the truth, yeah. Joyce makes into season further into season one, and then into season two. I start having serious issues with some of the choices that Joyce makes. But this one, yeah, she's right. If my daughter's new principal just called me that she was skipping school and now she's trying, right? Absolutely not. You're going out, right. or you're not going. No, right? Like what? What else would? It, what else would you say? And then she in a very excellent parenting move she says if you want to stay up here and sulk i won't hold it against you applause mom well well handled she's like but if you want to come down and have some dinner i'll make us some dinner i love that that's such a sweet just the best the best mom but then it's also so hard on buffy because what is she supposed to do not go save the world right like oh okay i i'm grounded guess guess i won't and that line vampires. from Buffy or from her mom, I think I, yeah, I do have it here. Um, Buffy goes, this is really, really important. And her mom says, I know if you don't go out, it'll be the end of the world. And the audience uh, is like, yes, yes! <laughs> it will be. But Dramatic is, that, irony. is that not so, I mean, take the fact that it's actually will be the end of the world out of it. That feeling that. My parent doesn't get it. This is really important. I have to get. I have to go to this party or this whatever. Mm-hmm. I can really relate to that feeling, and my parents just not getting it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And 
there's everything it does feel like the end of the world like especially middle school and also in high school and stuff everything feels just like a big deal mm-hmm. sometimes i miss school because everything felt like a thing you know like there was someone there to see your outfit and people to talk about your crushes with and i don't know there were school dances there were these events that just felt like such a big fucking deal and they were to us at that time they were big deals Mm. um and that kind of pulls into that metaphor i mean it's very real to buffy in the literal context but also that like metaphorical side of buffy oh well done writers well done um as she's preparing for she says sorry mom going anyways she's out she opens the trunk and there's the whatever girly stuff in the top oh i love that i love that juxtaposition oh what a great reveal all of her like dolls and i don't know lacy things and whatever pink stuff like you said girly stuff on the top tray how indicative of Buffy as the character. Mm-hmm. She's one way on the outside, then you dig a little deeper. And it's, oh. and it's all stakes and communion wafers. There are for sure communion wafers. Oh, yeah. Though, yep. Which... Uh, I mean, I mean, they're holy. They're blessed. If holy water works, there's no reason... Oh. Communion wafers shouldn't work. That just occurred to me. I thought yeah. that was just in LOL, let's throw religious shit i mean here as it never comes up it's never used garlic isn't it too and i don't think garlic comes up as another deterrent to vampires no i mean they they list it Mm. when xander's like okay so what else steak steak through the heart beheadings what else garlic you know which again why garlic i understand the religious stuff but why garlic that never comes up either um but they do talk about hallowed ground um like that's a thing, hallowed ground mm-hmm. and like cemeteries mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, but also like, but they hang out in cemeteries. So are mausoleums not? Okay. Well, that's a, that's a plot hole. Let's not pick at that scab. Let's not, pick that. <laughs> let's, not let's not pull that thread. Put it in the basement. Put it in the basement. Yeah. Let's not pull that thread. Ooh, say that next note after the communion bread. Cause I have an answer to that. So, okay. So the next scene is uh, they're in the bronze our superheroes are headed to the bronze, but Jesse is there already. And there's this, in the first episode, we saw human Jesse try and dance with Cordelia and she right. immediately brushed him off. And this time as a vampire, he tries again, but naturally he doesn't have a soul. He's a lot more forward. He kind of just goes up and, and presses himself against her and starts dancing. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. And then he says, shut up. And she says, Okay, fine. One dance. And I, it sounds like you might have a, have a good answer for it, but it didn't sit right with me because I don't love, I'm trying to see what, what message they're trying to send by him having success by Mm -hmm. being mean to her. So first of all, you're exaggerating a little bit with him, like pressing up against her. He, he is, I mean, he's standing close, but he does grab her hand and pull her to the dance floor. It's not like. He immediately shoves his cross. Well, no, I didn't like, think that. I but... know, but like it's you know, words have meaning. Um, it is presumptive. He is being yes. very presumptuous. He's being he's being assertive. And as far as the shut up, Cordelia, who always comes from a place of power, that is the kind of attitude she would like respect. Or maybe not respect, but would respond to. Because someone who comes at a girl like her with weaker energy, she's not gonna respond. She's gonna step all over you. And also, 
this goes to the, you know, why, why is Angelus hotter than Angel and stuff? Because confidence is sexy. What did he lack? He was a shy, awkward nerd. So when he comes at her, like, of course you want to dance with me. Or like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. That is something that, come on, every girl loves a bad boy. It's not a good thing. Yeah. But like, we have that thing. I'm not saying everybody, but people like a bad boy. Now it does kind of turn that corner when he is about to kill her because he does have some like I wanted to write down the language but it's stuff like I don't know she's trying to get him off something like this one is mine or and then and then there's another line he's like you're making this harder than it like something like that yeah and and again if we're you know a vampire bite is very sexual so then when he is literally on top of her and trying to force himself on her that is very rapey that turns the corner. But as far as him like approaching her and the dance and stuff, I think that is something that sh- that Cordelia Chase would respond to. Well, and like she did respond to it. She right. danced with him. So I guess it worked out. But right. I just don't love that. I don't know. Some teenage dude might be watching this and be like, oh, well, I just have to tell the girl who's telling me, no, I don't want to dance with you to shut up. And then she'll. But it's talk. also, no. it's not like he yelled at her. It was. Because tone, because tone affects things too. Like, I I don't, there's a way to be, I don't want to say playful. Playful is not quite the right word. And I'm not saying you yeah, should tell people to Yeah, you're saying he wasn't, yeah, you didn't feel like there were lines Like, he didn't come over and say, shut particular. up and like push her or whatever. Yeah. So backtracking a teeny bit, um, Cordelia's quote, when I go shopping, I have to have the most expensive thing, not because it's expensive, but because it costs more. I actually love this line because I actually think it makes perfect sense. It doesn't make yes, any it sense. Yes, it does because it's not like wrong. expense as in monetary, as in like the number of dollars, but cost as in the effort that I had to put in more effort to get this versus I ha- have more dollars than you do. I don't think that that's what Cordelia meant. I don't quite necessarily think she's thinking of that deep either but i don't know i've always heard that line and go like i don't know kind of makes sense to me i love that i love later on in that exchange where she's you know she's been the only one in this little aside that's been talking and then one of the other girls she's with tries to get in uh, excuse me miss motorbouth <laughs> can i get a word in <laughs> oh cordelia oh, you're so <laughs> good Motormouth. yeah Ms. love Motormouth. that uh, <laughs> Also, Cordelia Chase, in that scene, before she gets approached by Jesse, when they're just dancing to, like, the upbeat song, she defined cool dancing for me. Hmm. She's a cool dancer. She's sexy, too. Yep. Yep. I mean, she was cast for a reason. Yeah. Get it, Cordelia. I want to be uh, like you when I grow up. Cordelia screams like Sailor Moon. I don't remember if you watched <laughs> Sailor Moon, but when she's grabbed by Luke, that's exactly what that sounds like. That is funny. I haven't <laughs> paid attention to that. <laughs> um, the you didn't think I'd miss this, did you? When uh, Buffy appears on the balcony, that always rings in my head because that I don't know if you remember the DVD box sets when you would select from the from the menu, you would select the episode, it would play quote from that episode, mm. and so for this episode, that was the quote. You didn't think I'd miss this, did you? And then <sighs> the episode would start. That's so funny. A callback to the title screen of sorts. Yeah, exactly. 
I love the, I think this is an iconic Buffy line. Right before she goes to kill Luke, she goes, here's something you forgot about too. Sunrise. <laughs> Finish the quote, Allie. It's in about nine hours, moron. <laughs> Luke, you're so dumb. I do have that moment of like when he, and I don't know, do vampires have those kinds of moments where you react before your actual physical stimulus is there? But he's like, ah, and then he like actually has that moment of, wait, I don't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you're stupid. Do you feel, there's that TikTok sound right now going around. It's like, do you feel stupid? Do you feel a little absurd. <laughs> that is Luke. Uh, as they, as everybody's fleeing the bronze, Buffy has saved the day. Congrats, Buffy. And then we see Angel. Mm -hmm. And I know Jury's still out. He's still making some decisions, probably feeling a lot of big feelings himself. But like, thanks for the help, dude. Really appreciate it. Could have used you here. Well, did they need him? Well, no, they were, you know, they worked it out. It was, I think Xander handled himself particularly. Like, Xander handled didn't mean himself to kill well. his friend, but he right. went through a lot of stuff. And, and, and his stake was way too high. It would not have actually killed him. Because um, later it does come up like aiming. But at least in this, they were not very particular. That stake would not have dusted him. So. Yeah, that stake in the collarbone is not going to do that. Yeah, much. exactly. Yeah. That would have hit like his breastbone, would not have gone in. Um, but... See, and this is a different, maybe I'm going to be the optimist for this show because the way I saw Angel with like the, damn, she did it. He came, but wasn't going to step in if he wasn't needed. I saw, oh. that, I saw that as like him letting her do her thing and like, yeah, I'm not going to let the harvest happen. If it looks like she's like, if Luke- Allie, I like that more. I like that a lot. Yeah. So I saw that as him holding back and letting her- be a badass woman and being like i'm impressed but he was ready yeah, yeah he could have if he needed but right exactly needed. yeah you're right like, i think you're right tabs and keeping an eye he showed up yep that wasn't him like later being like oh well today tomorrow still came so i guess she won yeah yeah that's how yeah that's yeah how he was he was ready he was more active and ready to be helpful if need be i like the way you think ali i really <laughs> do well well i am still team angel so i know there's some some team spike fans uh, out there but yeah i was we'll we'll debate that when we get there ali the uh last this gets into our favorite quotes here a little and bit you can see what is my last oh, quote ali is holding her notes up to the camera right now so i see we both have it at the same time ali we'll say it at the same time ready one two three the, the earth, earth is doomed, is doomed. <laughs> oh giles I love that. Maybe I could still get kicked out of school. That whole last <laughs> conversation is fantastic. Where they're like, oh, yeah, you could blow something up. They really frown on that. <laughs> um, what of your, what are some other quotes? Have we missed any of your other favorite quotes? Oh, so yeah. Far, so what I starred as potentially my favorite quote, because it's just, oh, it's so epic in the way that like only the master could deliver it. Um, Tonight I shall walk the earth. And the stars themselves will hide. That is such a good like, line, isn't ooh, it? Ooh. Okay. Poetic and scary. Okay. <laughs> I see ooh. you. I see you, bad guy. <laughs> did you did you have a degree in English? You do. You. you. That was nice. You speak fancy, like you're educated. 
Um, I wrote down one of Giles' lines that still resonates with me to this day as he is telling Willow how she can be helpful. Um, he is talking about how he's fuzzy on some of the details about the harvest. And he says, I'm a bit fuzzy, however, on the details. Maybe you can wrestle some information out of this dreaded machine. And that aversion to computers, I'm, I just get it. Hits really you on a do. personal level. Yeah, it does. That's funny because I pulled out the quote right after that, which is, that was a bit British, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. Just, and we love you for it. Just a little, Giles. Just a little. Uh, I think those are all my quotes. Hey. I think we hit them as we went through, Allie. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, she walks free when I should be drinking her heart's blood. And I just had a moment of, that's how I feel about my ex. <laughs> like you're just out there walking around like not the paying for your audacity. crimes the audacity. the audacity the audacity uh when i should be drinking your heart's blood um <laughs> xander's i don't like vampires i'm gonna take a stand and say they're not good i love that well done good good move xander take that stand i have uh that's the buffy summers i want in my school Sensible girl with her feet on the ground. Oh, principal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she jumps right up, clears the fence. Yeah, I am. I am a sucker for some dramatic timing. I love that. Oh, Principal Flutie. Oh, Principal Flutie. You'll learn more, viewers, listeners. You'll learn. He is He is a good egg. He's trying so hard. He is. He cares. Um, I have one from Luke. Actually, there is cause for alarm. Just won't do you any good. Sass. And and that timing too, it's right as he's talking, he gets like a spotlight on his face. So mm -hmm. as he says, it will do you no cause no whatever, uh, you see his face for the first time. Or that gets the people in the bronze see his face for the first time. Mm -hmm. That's another good timing. Yep, that's all my quotes. What do you think for the moral of the story? What's the moral of this episode? I have one, but if you don't agree, you can give your own. I think there might be kind of a corny one in teamwork or friendship or mm. that kind of thing because that's kind of her i mean yes save the world like that would be that and all that but really her big buffy's big motivation for jumping back in the saddle is these new friends or these new potential friends these look like people who seem to care about me and heard that I say I'm a slayer and didn't run away and are mm. sticking around. They come back the next day to school after they all narrowly escape vampires. They still all gather in the library the next day rather than avoiding her, mm -hmm. calling her crazy. I mean, clearly these aren't that kind of people, which is why they become friends. But, you know, she doesn't know. That's not how other people would have reacted. Yeah, it's powerful. And... You know, she, I think, I think at one point they're talking about where are they going to go for the harvest? Oh, who knows or whatever. And it's Xander who says, Jesse is going to the bronze. I guarantee you he's going. So yeah. not only are there all of these great notes about how probably healing it is for Buffy to have a group of friends and all of this stuff, but they literally substantively help her. Right. Which is cool. Well, and they're just normies. Willow who find well, Xander, we talked about, knows about the electrical tunnels. Willow who finds the city blueprints 
which we see go under the mausoleum. And that's how Buffy's able to be like, oh, the entrance is in the mausoleum. And then it's Giles who finds out about the harvest and does the research and finds out about the vessel so she knows who to attack. Mm. So it really is a team effort. Go team. Teamwork really does make the dream work. Yeah. The moral that I thought might apply, and I think there can probably be multiple lessons learned from this, but um, I wrote that life goes on. And what I mean by that is... Like how we talked about their found out their friend just died this horrible death and came back as a vampire, like life goes on. And at the end of the episode, when we see everybody trying to rationalize what happened the night before, and they have that exchange about how Buffy and Giles are basically like, yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to rationalize what they can and forget what they can't and yeah. whatever off to the next thing, which is a theme I think we'll see. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's that there's that great Cordelia moment uh, where she's like, and then like Buffy knew them, which was so weird. And her friend's like, wow, I wish I'd been there. And she's like, you should have been there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Cordelia has managed to make it fit whatever her preconceived, right? Oh, yeah. Well, because because it's a story. Everybody loves a good story, and it's definitely going to be one of those, like, where were you moments. There's a lot. We find out that a lot of those happen in Sunnydale, which I think it comes to you kind of get you. You can get used to anything, even if it's trauma, because, again, mm-hmm. everything is subjective. Mm-hmm. So Sunnydale High ends up having a very high mortality rate. And that's just like, I don't know. That was did not a lot of people die at your high school. That's how my high school was. <laughs> Speaks to the resilience of the human condition. You don't you don't know what you don't know, or like you don't know what's you kind of grow up assuming like, oh, well, this is what it's like for everybody, right? Normal is kind of a mo- moving point for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Normal so, is definitely subjective or relative or whatever. I like the way you think. Do you want to wrap this episode up, Allie? Yeah, Miss Buttercup, let's wrap this mother up. Apparently. Jocelyn wanted to include Eric Balfour, Jesse, oh. in the opening credits to shock people when he died, but he couldn't because of funding. Interesting. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah, isn't that nifty? He wanted to. So in the opening credits, he wanted Jesse's character featured as one of the, you know, whatever, so that people would be like, what? He already killed off a main character. Changing your title sequence is very expensive. So if you ever are watching. I didn't know that. It is. Like just editing. Everything's fucking expensive. Everything is time. Everything is money. Things that look simple are not. Um, So if you ever. If you're ever watching a series. And they do things like changing up their title sequence. More than just like per season. That's how you know they're doing really well. Like. The Psych series, um, a few seasons in, actually not even that late in, they start changing up the title sequence or the um, the theme song. So like there's one that has to do like an acapella group. So they have boys to men do an acapella version of the thing. And there's one that movies kind of play into it. So they do kind of like an old timey noir kind of feel. And they change up their title sequence a lot. And you're like, okay, this was a massive successful show, which I knew that it was, but that's it is huge for them to do things like that. 50. You got the insider scoop here, folks. A little, might, wow, might be a little, little cool. inside baseball for some people, but I like it. I didn't know that. That's neat. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you'll join us again for our next episode where we'll discuss season one, episode three, 
If you are just too excited to wait until our next episode to chat, send us an email at tabularasabpod at gmail.com. And you can also say hello to us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at at tabularasabpod. I love that we already have all those socials. And if you just want to follow me, because like you, Nick, then you can follow. I feel the same way. You can find Alley Press on all the social medias at Daughter Pick on Twitter and Instagram. That's D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K. And you can follow me on TikTok at Future Black Cat. And last but not least, if you would like to support me as an artist, throw a few bucks my way, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Allie Press. A-L-L-I-E-P-R-E-S-S. All social media handles are in the description. Y'all better give your bank accounts to Allie because she's <laughs> perfect. And Allie, I hope you make some incredibly proud choices. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, You are a precious gift. And so are all of you listeners. Until next time. (laughs) Bye. Tabula Rasa Bitches is hosted by Allie Press and Nick Mercer. With music by Inflaton Cult, artwork by Charlotte Fleming Design, and consultation by Evo Terra.